but I'm Liza. I'm Riss. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. And finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. There we go. It took took me a minute there, love. But we made it. I love it. We made it. Oh my god. Um, Lit News is just the Louis Tomlinson documentary. Who's who's got tickets? I don't. Are you gonna go see it? Yeah, I am. When? I don't know. I gotta. I gotta see it. I'm going tomorrow with my mom. Oh my god! And mom loves Louis Tomlinson. Yeah. I know. I have to figure out when to go. I really need to see that like ASAP, and I really need to see um, Scream Six ASAP because I don't want to see a spoiler. I was told that they didn't like it as much as the last one, but they still liked it. Okay, and that's fair, because the last one was really, really good. Yeah, I liked the last one. So, I can see that. Interesting turn of events. We're back. We're here, we're there, we're everywhere. We had to take a little break because we're both... um, we were just struggling with finishing our books last week. We Which were happened? some slow readers. We were. My book took a total of 10 days to read. No, 11 days. 11 days. 11 days. Yeah. Of like reading every every one of those 11 days. I, I would try to read a little bit every day. But the funny thing is, I read most of the book then in one day. Mm. Just like it like it was one of those books that it took me a while to get into it. And then right towards the end, I was like, I'm just going to read as much as I can right now. And then it started to get really good. And then I basically read the whole thing in one day and then finished in like in the night, actually. Um, so I'm kind of excited to talk about that with you. What was up with you? What was up with you? Was it busy? Was it mix of busy and the book being hard to get into? Yeah, it was like I was busy and then I would say like the the first like three days that I read it, I was doing like slow. Like it was like maybe maybe like 20 pages a night kind of thing right right and then I took a break and didn't read it for a couple days got busy and then I picked it up again and I think the the thing is which I'm going to get into more when we talk about it but the beginning of this book is very much like two people meet they have baby they marry life good right sure yeah that's not what we asked for no um which like I understand I like the thought process behind it and we'll get into it but like for me I was like oh to read it is just like especially when she was pregnant I was like I do not want to think about this at all this is yeah 
You were like, no, thank um, you. Yeah, no. And then once I like got past a certain point, it was like 100 pages a night. And then I was good. And then you were good. It was a long book. It is. It is 431 pages, it looks like. That is actually very long. And small font, but that's okay. Especially for, I feel like we, we pick a lot of short books. My brain just glitched. But we, me, you and I like a short book. I like my, my attention span. It's like not that long. As As you can see from when I glitched just now when trying to say a fucking sentence. Not a good attention span in this one right here. <laughs> but that's all right. So like <laughs> a long book that's got teeny tiny writing on it. Right. Like, that's not, that's hard. That's hard for a little Google. Uh, my other thing too was my book was only 290 pages. But it was a um arc that I got. From when I worked at the bookstore and I have never seen an arc with so it must have been a very early arc because I've never seen an arc with this many typos Ooh. and usually you'll notice a few I feel like and sometimes you'll even buy a book that's been published and you notice a little typo and you're like oh but I think that was throwing me off at first mm-hmm was I was like, what the hell? Um, and there would be like not a space between some of the words a lot. Like they still have to go through and format it. Um, and who knows too. So that's why I'm not going to talk about form at all in my thing. Cause I'm not sure even if the form stayed exactly how it did just because it was an arc. Mm-hmm. I think that wouldn't be like fair to judge if you will. Do you have any lit news other than Louis Tomlinson? Um, no. Oh, our bestie with the mestie. Um, you may remember her from our body horror episode. Miss Lexi Anderson had her short story "Hand on Thigh" published in Hobart magazine. So please, everybody, go read it. Go read it now. The story slaps ass. It's so slay. And we love it. And we love Lexi. We love Lexi. She's crazy, girl. If you like to be thoroughly disturbed, you'll who like does Who does it? If you're listening you're to your here, podcast, yeah, chances are you like to be thoroughly disturbed. Um, So we think you'd probably like that book, that short story, if you will. Ha ha. Oh, Marissa, do you also want to, um, I don't know if you want to, but do you want to promote your um, walk for Sylvie? Oh, yeah, we could. I don't know. It's totally up to you, but if you need more. Um, we're, me and my family are doing a walk, an autism walk to support the school that my nephew goes to. And if I remember when this video is released, I'll post a little link on our Instagram story. Go there, 
check it out. Look at the website. You can donate. You can register to be on my team and then other people can donate to you. And, and it's like, you don't even have to walk because you can have, you can select the virtual option and you could be there virtually and people can just donate to you. It's great. That's great. I'm going to walk. We're going to tailgate. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So, so donate and remember that April is autism awareness month it's coming up. What better way to celebrate than with this? Right. And Silvio is the goodest boy there ever was. He's so sweet and so silly. Oh my God. I was crying at the video you posted on your story when he tried Dr. Pepper. I'm like, do you like it? He's like, yes. <laughs> do you want more? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I don't like it, but I want more. He's so cute. So funny. So that's a sleigh. And I was literally like, don't tell Nona. It's a secret. So he like came up all like slow, like sipped out of my straw. Like <laughs> he's so cute. You're gonna get him um addicted to the Dr. Pep early in life. He needs to be, he's got a chocolate milk addiction, and I'm like, Dr. Pepper can't be worse than chocolate milk, right? Right. It can't be. No. I think you're I think you're fine. It's probably healthier. I, I would think so. But that's not on that. Uh, hey, what are we talking about this week even? This week, we are talking about, you know, like fairy tales and folk tales and retellings and all that jazz. Which is exciting. And I'm excited to talk about it. I was in for a little treat with my book that I didn't even really fully realize. That's good. We love that. I love being in for a little treat that I didn't know I needed to treat. And you're reading a repeat author from the podcast. Yes. Um, I read The Changeling by Victor Laval, who, if you remember, um, last year when we did uh, like a themed Black History Month, I read him for our Black Horror episode. I read The Devil in Silver, which I loved. It was so scary, so spooky. Um, yeah, so that's what I read. I feel like we might have done... I'm not really sure how Liza did hers. I originally wanted to read a book that was called... Um, there once was a lady who killed her, na- her neighbor's baby or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was like a collection of modern russian fairy tales so hard to get yeah it says that there's one in the warehouse it will not deliver to me oh. <laughs> so annoying. um but i kind of pivoted with this one because this is definitely a modern fairy tale period yeah And 
yeah that's what i'll say about that for now definitely we've definitely made some interesting choices and i think in a good way for this episode because first of all this was always going to be my pick but over the weekend i picked up another book that's called um is it it's called hag forgotten folk tales retold um and it's like irish and english and scottish folk tales and i was like damn i could have just done this but i'm 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 glad i ended up um doing the the book that i ended up doing so i did a book called 40 by alan heathcock and the reason that mine's kind of a weird take like you know marissa here has a a more modern like folk tale fairy tale type beat mine is the folklore behind this is biblical and I think it's kind of a hot take to call the bible a folktale but like it is it is besties um it's just as much a folktale as any other culture's folktales and that's just the god's honest truth um no pun intended so yeah but like I said it was it was not exactly what I expected from this book so I'm excited to chat for sure (gasps) who went first last week what was last week obsession I think I went first okay I have no idea so why do I feel like we talked about going to see the Riverman like right before we logged off? Because I feel like I was spooked. Liza was spooked. I was. How many people were scared? I was scared. Okay, I can go first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let me just pull my thingy up. Perfect. So. Yeah, I honestly didn't know what the fairy tale of the changeling is. Um, but for those of you who don't know, it's when like fairies or trolls or elves or some other mystical being want to kidnap babies. So they make their own offspring look like your baby and they kidnap your baby and switch the two out. And that's like the changeling, the the creepy offspring is the changeling. Um, and so that's what this book is on, but it's definitely a fairy tale in and of its own I watch an interview so this book is about you know two people meet they fall in love they get married they have baby and then and I watched an interview with Victor Laval and he said this and then it's supposed to be happily ever after but this book is like about throwing away the happily ever after and re-examining that um so they have their baby and then they enter you know the baby's up all night they have to feed it the mom has to pumps they have to figure out work they have to 
who stays with the baby, who goes, who does this, who does that. And obviously, anyone who has a child should know it's exhausting and it's tiring and it's not always like wonderful bliss. Um, and so this book looks at that and then one day the main character Apollo him and his wife have been arguing and he wakes up and he's tied to a chair in his kitchen and he hears the baby screaming and he sees his wife and she's not answering him and she takes a tea kettle off the stove and walks into the baby's room and then you just hear screaming and so you know it's crazy um and so his wife does her name's emma she does the unthinkable and then disappears and no one can find her and it starts a kind of adventure um Yeah, so let's get into my rating scale, I think, now. So readability and interest, I give this a 7.5. Like I said before, after I got past a certain point, I was reading it nonstop. And like, again, I didn't like the whole, you know, wedded bliss, and now we're having a baby, and the real life stuff. You know, I didn't really want to read that, truthfully. But I... I looking back on it I like what it did I like that you know you were supposed to want them together and love them together and love this relation that they that they had and then suddenly be like oh but where's the happily ever after um if this is our fairy tale you know what's happening next and obviously the title of the changeling you kind of know what's going to happen um unless you don't know what that is which I didn't until I looked it up at the end because I didn't want to spoil it either way whatever um but this like this odyssey this like adventure he has throughout the whole book was really captivating and kept me reading and there's a lot of like twists and turns and mysteries and who's this and who's that and and what are they doing and why are they here and how in this big city is all this happening um so that really kept me reading that's why i would give that a 7.5 for language and style i gave a 7 i love victor I think I just love his writing. I I don't know. I don't really understand how the things that come out of his head come out of his head because they make so much sense in a weird way. Um, And I think I'll talk about this now. So one of my favorite parts about this book is that it all takes place in New York City. And there were so many things that I was like, there's so many things that I was like, I know where that is. Like um, when Emma is pregnant, they're like riding on the subway line and it stops at one point and it like tells you which two stations it's between. And I'm like, I literally know exactly where that is. Um, And I think it's, even though this is like a dark fantasy horror book, 
it's horror, but like to me, I'm like, mm, it it's edges really close into dark fantasy. Either way. It I think it's a really good it's a really interesting telling of New York City. And there is it feels so New York City. Like I remember when we first went to Pratt, you had to read the Colossus of New York. And they were like, This is like this is New York City. And like looking back on it, I'm like that wasn't new york city that was like a weird did you just hear my stomach it just was really loud that was just like a weird like <laughs> i ate three croissants this morning i promise um yeah the classes of new york was just like a weird like jazzy version of new york i feel like but you read this and it feels like the secret parts of New York. It feels like, you know, the one subway that if you stay on, you see, like, the old city hall or whatever. And this feels like weird secrets, weird pockets of New York in a weird way. Um, so I love that. And I always love, I mean, from the two books that I read from him, both characters were male. Both main characters were male. And, like, pretty different dudes but they never feel like too gross, if that makes sense, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah, and, and I think another thing that I really love about this book that I want to say is Victor... feeds things to you really well. Um there's a point where this lady is telling him the story of Rapunzel and she says the Scottish called it glamour Cal said glamour it's an old kind of magic an illusion to make something appear different than it really is a monster might look like a beautiful maiden a ruined castle appears to be a golden palace. A baby is, her voice drifted off. Um, just so, it's, it's interesting because New York is such a real place. New York is, I feel like, realer than if you're in a suburb in a weird way. And so for him to be in this really real place of like, I know that subway platform. I know this place. I know these streets he's walking down. And then for her to be like, mm, I'm hinting that something fantastic is happening in this really real place. You like don't believe it. Like you're like, I'm fully in and invested in this book. But like this is, I believe what they're saying but I keep the doubt in my head that like maybe they're just saying this to trick Apollo still. Um, and I love that. I love that I I'm I love that my brain is fighting with itself. Um, for shelf worthy read again, I gave it an eight. Even though I think that this dips a little bit too much into dark fantasy and like less into horror I still I'm gonna keep it on my shelf I think the cover is beautiful it's a beautiful blue cover with yellow writing it does look very like haunting and like fairy tale-ish um I think I would read this again in a couple years because I actually really did like it and I'm sure that there's tons of things that I missed 
that maybe when I reread it, I would start to find pieces of. Um, yeah, for plot, I give this an 8.5. I think one of my favorite things about the plot is that while it's a fairy tale, while the things that are happening on this are like traditional and have been happening for years, there's also like a new element to it. He adds in like social media and electronics and things like that in a way that was actually really creepy, maybe like almost more creepy than some of the things that were happening in here um i thought it was really even though based on a fairy tale i think it was really original and thought out um so 8.5 and then for characterization i gave it an 8 i love apollo i think he's so interesting um He has this thing where he constantly says to himself, like when he's nervous or he needs to like boost himself up, he's like, I'm Apollo. I'm the God. I'm the God Apollo. And he just like repeats that to himself. And that's such like, that's such a silly human thing to do. That it gives him so much character and it makes you like him so much, even though he's literally been like, I'm the God Apollo. It's so human of him to do that. And it's, it makes you really like him more, I think. Um, especially because, like, he's just a bookseller. He just buys and sells books. That's all he does. Like, he's just a silly little guy. I just love him. He's great. Um, and Emma, even though she's small, she's just this, like, strong force of a character. And you feel that in the book. Even when you first meet her, she's, like, tiny but you can tell she just like holds herself very well. Um, yeah, and there are a lot of characters in here who are questionable whether you should like them or not at first. And then you kind of ease into it. And it's almost, instead of just finding a character and being like, oh, I like that character or I don't like that character. It's almost like there's a like constant tug of war throughout the book, which is really nice. And um yeah, that's really all I have to say about The Changeling, and I think everyone should read it, because I love Victor, and I thought this book was really fun. This one might be, I might, no, I don't know. I don't know which one I like more. I don't know if I like The Devil and Silver more or this one. They're both pretty good. Yeah. Victor scores again. He's so good. He's so slay for that. That sounds really cool. I also like that there's, like, other myths in it. Like, what a smart, like, between, like, Apollo and Rapunzel and, like, just mixing other stuff in when the story is literally the changeling. Like, yes, I like that a lot. It's nice. It's fun. Because you know me. I love a story within a story. It's my favorite thing. Liza would love this. She would I, would, eat I should eat it up. It's interesting, too, that you said this book was dark fantasy instead of horror. Because I feel like neither of us really read genre fiction for adults unless it's horror. And this week we both read adult genre fiction and liked it. 
Yeah, you know, I think it's weird because I think a lot of dark fantasy is actually horror. Right, sure. And, like, I can see, like, I understand why this is considered horror, but also there's a point where it gets quite fantastical. Sure, right, right. So. Yeah. Whereas, like, the devil, the devil in silver, that was horror. That's straight up horror. Yeah. And it's inter- it's 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 interesting because it's like where do you draw the line, right? Mhm. Like I always think of horror as something more plausible. I don't know why. But like that's not true. Horns could not ever happen in real life. The actual horror of horns could happen. Mhm. But the horror of the dev- the of the changeling could happen as well. The horrific parts of it. Like when you were like, and the mom does the unthinkable. It's like, that shit happens every day. Right. And that's what's scary. It sounds like you also could have read this book for Monster Mothers. Low key. We're going to make a Monster Mother table for May. Yeah. And I think I'm going to put this one on but I'm on the fence about it it's just very Medea of course the ending is just kind of like leaves it and is it too much of a father hero for it to be a mother horror right which is the big question because we sort of don't know how we feel about the the trope of the mother monster and the father hero. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You should definitely put mother thing on the table. Yeah, mother thing's going on there. I'm going to I'm going to strongly suggest sharp objects, but I don't know if they'll let me mix genre like that. I know it's going to say are you going to do any like classics? Like are you going to put like Medea and like Titus Andronicus on and like I'm going to see how many we have first. Yeah. Um, For April, we're do- doing a cannibal horror oh, table. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So I think as soon as we put that table up, we'll start planning for mother horror, which is going to be fun. Sick. I'm excited. Who's excited? I am. I wonder if I can convince her to put Fever Dream on there. <laughs> uh, Yes, fucking please. Wow, I want to reread that book. Me too. Maybe we'll do it. Eh. There's one book that I want you to put on the cannibal table, but I can't tell you what it is, and I don't think you should tell the customers what it is. But it's so good. Tell me. I know. I don't know if you're ever going to read it. We can bleep it out. Um, Earthlings by Sayaka Murata. Okay, we don't have that in store at all. <gasps> That's weird. Isn't that weird? It was on our and fiction. I was going to order it and put it in horror, but it's supposed to be like sci-fi. And I'm like... It's... The, the big plot twist is the cannibalism. So do you think it's horror or do you think it's sci-fi? It's horror. It was... So, it, it Here's the tea about this book. I would never read it again. But I loved it. But it was so 
disturbing and made me feel so absolutely sick to my stomach that I would not read it again. Therefore, is how is that not horror? Right. Like, that's also just weird to put it in sci-fi because if anything, I would say you could put it in literary fiction because the two most horrific parts of, like, or the most horrific part is is something that is very litfic. You know what I mean? Like, the cannibalism mm-hmm. isn't even the worst part. I wonder if I should just order it and just shelve it in horror. I think you should because I've, I've done that with like so many things now. So yeah, I think you should. I would. And like, I have a notebook up at customer service that says all the books that won't scan as horror, but are shelved in horror. Right. So like, that's just weird too. Like, do you have convenience store woman in the store? I don't know. Cause that's her other book, which was wildly popular. So it's just strange. peculiar sounds racist to me tell me about it like what if people like what if they just think like oh people from buffalo aren't gonna read like this weird japanese fiction also it was trending so that's why i'm like i'll just i'll order three copies and put it a face out in section and be like "Eh." yeah that's what i just did with i and i actually had to special order these i had to have my coworker like order these even though she's not supposed to because they're print on demands. Cotton Candy Massacre. Yes, I, I swear. Already up. sold out. Already sold out. Good. Yeah, so I was like, you should order five more. Because we only ordered three to begin with, and I was like, order five this time. Five more. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about yours now. Okay, girl, let's get into it. Um... So I read the book 40 by Alan Heathcock. And when I say I was in for a treat that I didn't know, I'll just tell you right off the bat. I thought this was going to be like literary fiction, very much biblical iconography. Like I thought it was going to be, I texted Marissa like the second I started it. And I was like, this book is really freaking weird. And it was weird. And I was prepared for it to be just one of those weird lit fic books where you're like, I really liked it, but I don't know why. Um, Not the case. Y'all, if you were a dystopian girl in the years of our Lord, like 2010 to 2000, what, 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 that must've been 2015, 2014, this, and now you're an adult person. This is the book for you. I have not yet read a dystopian book in my adulthood meant for adults that elicited similar feelings to when I was reading Hunger Games for for the first time until I read this book. And I'm so excited by that. I think this book is adult dystopian fiction at its finest. And I'm kind of surprised that this is just shelved with the regular lit fic because I don't know. In some ways, I'm glad it's shelved with the regular lit fic because now I think people who read literary fiction based on the blurb on the back and the cover alone might pick up this book and read it. But I also think that if people don't tend to go into the literary fiction and they do tend to like stay close to sci-fi, but they want, and they're looking for dystopia, they might not get to like come across this book. It's very, very cool. And I've obviously read other dystopian fiction on the podcast recently, 
Um, for example, I read Here Lies, and then I read that one Finnish book about the like chili peppers, which was those were both really good and really cool, but they weren't. They weren't heroin led and mission oriented in the same way that this book is. And I think that's why it reminded me so much of the Hunger Games type beat in a real way, interesting way, even though it obviously has no similarities to the Hunger Games other than that. Um, so that was just very, very cool. And I'll obviously talk about um, the folklore aspects of it as well. But to jump right into this book, I gave it an eight. Part of me was inclined to rank it lower because I had such a slow start. That being said, the book is 290 pages. It took me like freaking eight days to read the first like 75 pages and then one day to read the rest, basically. So it's like, take that with a grain of salt in terms of like, if it's hard to get into, because it could just be that I was having a like a dead brain week and something was up, but it did really pick up, I think, a little bit later in the book. Um, for language and style, I give this book a seven. I really, really loved this author's writing style. I thought it was gorgeous. I don't even have any passages to read for you because I feel like you could open to any page and just find a really, really gorgeous moment. The only reason at all that I gave it a seven instead of higher is there was something about the tense that the whole time I was reading it, I was like, this was an interesting choice. It is in the first person, past tense, first person. So she's saying, the narrator is saying like, I did this, I did that. And in a in an apocalypse, I just don't know how well that works. Because it leads me to think that there is an ending where you're able to be telling all of this. And I don't know how I feel about that. I think an apocalypse book is served very well by a first person present tense. By experiencing it with your main character not experiencing it them telling you it after the fact so that's the only reason I gave this book a seven um instead of higher in terms of um in terms of language and style for oh let's just I'll just read you the first sentence and to give you a feel for this author's writing style I stirred groggy and sore in the watery well of a blackened crater that cradled me like a babe. Arms and hands crusted with blood are ringing in my ears like a humming wire. I didn't know where I was or how I'd gotten there. Rain pattered over me and trickled down the scars in the crater's steep walls, the air reeking of chemical fire, the sky opaque with violet fog, bombs thumped somewhere out in out of sight, the ground quaking as if beasts long trapped in the earth's core kicked the underside of the land, demanding their parole into the world. That's what every single pa paragraph is like. No joke, no joke. So it's very good. For form, I'm omitting form, very standard form, but like I said, this was an arc. I have no idea how the, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it stayed fairly similar 
in which case very standard form five um five acts um but in terms of the form within the act i don't know how that ended up so let's just admit that better to be safe than sorry uh for shelf worthiness shelf worthiness i okay I'm giving the book a six, but it's really teetering on seven. So I'm going to hang on to this book because I think it was really cool. And I think it's a really interesting one to like pull out and like tell somebody about and recommend it to them. Do I know, do I think I would read it again? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And that's why I put it at a six teetering on a seven, I guess. It's interesting to me. Because I feel like, okay, here's tea. Marissa and I love literary fiction, right? At the same time, we talk a lot of shit, even though we love it, about how nothing really happens in literary fiction books. Like, you're reading the book and you're like, I'm having a good time. I have no idea what the point of this is. Mm -hmm. While I feel like genre fiction is so plot-driven in a good way that you, it somehow makes you less inclined to want to read it again. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, I know what happens. And obviously, I know what happens in literary fiction books, too. I've read the book. But there's something about the lit fic, the sort of liminal space um, that you find yourself in when you're reading a literary fiction book that somehow more so um, calls for being read again if not just to experience the vibes. Whereas I'll say this a lot when I read like mysteries, it's like, well, I don't really need to read that again because I know who the killer was or like, yes, and the other. So that's kind of how I feel about this, it, it being such a classic, not classic, like it was really interesting and new, but it being such a like dystopian arc that I'm like, I don't know if I need to read that again. But I did really love it. And I would definitely recommend it to other people. For plot, this is where I'll get into talking about the folklore aspects of this book. Because I feel like so far you can't really tell that this is folklore. Um, just to give you a number, I gave this book an eight for plot. I thought it was really interesting. I've never really read anything like it. So the plot of this book is we have our main character. Her name is Mazzy. And... In this world, we have a dystopia that looks very much like what a dystopia would look like for us. Um, natural disaster, famine, plague, sea level rising, and war. Um, also, I thought that was interesting because that's very obviously the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I can't remember exactly. Let me look up. Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse are death, famine, war, and conquest. Um, but I believe there's like a pestilence aspect of it. Um, there, it, It's just giving very Bible, flood, pestilence, like all that stuff that I know is... Um, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So that's folklore in and of itself, right? And mm -hmm. then of this main character who she is a soldier for the US government, for the US. 
um, and sort of not by choice, just by like, it is what it is. She's from like a very rural area of the United States, very like poor. Um, and there's this war happening with this other group called the Nove Terre, which is like New World, basically kind of like New World Order type beat. And mm-hmm. they peace to the world, right? They want to like reverse climate change. They want to end war. They want to found a new society. But as so often happens in these dystopian books, um, it's sort of hard to tell, like, even if you think, even if you think they had the right idea, obviously they're not going to be like good people. Um, So that's sort of the larger plot of the book. But, and um, there's all these biblical things that come into play. So her sister is taken and the scene where she is taken is they put her in this like gold vest basically the little sister and she rises up into the sky and that is giving very much rapture right like listen guys I'm not I never grew up in the church I've never read a a, a explicitly religious text in my entire life but I'm pretty sure that in the rapture, you like rise up into the sky or something. What it actually makes me think of when you first said it is. Mary. Jesus's mom was like assumed into heaven, I think it's called. Her body just rose up. That's T. Yeah, that's what this is giving. And basically this this weird group took all the children like that. They, they, they did that to all the children because those are the innocents, right? Those are the people that have not sinned yet. Um, and so that's sort of the folklore aspect of it there. But there's so many other really weird, really weird moments in this book that are obviously hearkening back to um, the Bible and the few that come to mind right now for me all have to do with animals. So the first scene in this book, other than the one that I read you, which like sets the scene for where our main character is, is a flashback of her like being at this like fair and this weird Bible fear of God guy shows up and he has all these lions and they're real lions. And you're so confused because you're like, what are these real lions doing here? And they kill everybody. Um, but I always associate lions with Christianity. And he seems Marissa's nodding like, yes, that's T. Um, and then there's this other scene where there's a whale. And I always think of like Jonah and the whale whenever I hear, see anything with a whale. And then later on, her her kind of love interest, whose name is Dewey, Dewey Chang, um, he, when they get to this new sort of society where they're kind of being held captive, He's looking over all these albino animals and they're kind of robots because the guy that owns this new society is like a freak and like made like fake animals, but there's two of every kind. So obviously that's hearkening back to Noah um, with the two of each kind of animal. So there's all these little breadcrumbs of, of Bible nonsense. Oh, also forgot a main part. Our character has a near-death experience where you're like pretty sure she's dead. She's not dead. 
she but when she wakes up when she comes to she has wings coming out of her back and she has these wings for the remainder of the book and they capture her because they think she's like the messiah and she's called the angel of 40 which is like the new society they're making is called 40 um so that's obviously very religious as well christian folklore the angel coming to save everybody angel of death angel of whatever gabriel you know all that all that jazz um so all that is happening in tandem with this apocalypse and i just think it's really freaking cool for characterization i give this book a seven i really liked the main character mazzy she had that dystopian heroine quality that i feel like you don't see much in adult fiction and I was really excited about that and her main mission in life now is to save her sisters to get her sister back which is also giving very Katniss um but she obviously gets sucked into this larger plot which so often happens to our dystopian heroines like they have one mission and it's a very personal mission and then they get sucked into this larger mission sort of by default and so I think it was really interesting to see that in this. The other characters in this book are really weird in a really good, interesting way. Something that I'd like to mention too about dystopia is, I think this happens in a lot of dystopian books where the decay of the world and the downfall of society, even if everybody's poor, everybody's hungry, everybody's dying of sickness and war there is always one sector of the society that is still living in luxury and like opulence and it's so creepy and it's weird too because it's like is that not kind of what's going on today too like you have your average citizen like literally trying to just like fight to be alive and then you have celebrities and billionaires who are not living the same world we're living in. And I thought that was very interesting for this to be included, again, in adult dystopia rather than teen dystopia. Um, but that was an interesting part of the other characters. Like a lot of the people that are running the new society are like former Hollywood actors, which is just so silly, but it also makes so much sense. Like these, you're like, that kind of like Hollywood actors feeling like they could craft a new society when the world starts to crumble and thinking they're like doing their like a humanitarian duty with all their like riches but still living in like opulence while everybody else is is suffering that seems like a natural progression for where we're at right now like it makes sense to me so that was another really interesting thing to see about the characters and the people she meets along the way and the people who will eventually lead a rebellion against the new new ruling class it's very interesting um so yeah 40 by alan heathcock read it people it was really freaking cool and i'm really 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 glad that i read it for this episode and that's all she wrote yay yeah, I wonder how much more biblical it actually was. You just didn't even notice. That's probably so real. Like, you should read it and see what's tea because 
I'm 99.99% sure I missed a bunch of shit. I love biblical horror. And like that, like horns, not like that, like weird folk horror. You know what I mean? Right. I had someone tell me that folk horror is their favorite genre of horror the other day. And I was literally like, oh, interesting. Interesting. That's kind of cool. But yeah, it's kind of like Midnight Mass too. Oh, I love Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. Yes. Horns. Yes. And the actual Bible. Sometimes. Too because our main character in this book, like, still very much kind of wanted to believe in God, which I think is an endearing quality as well. Because it's like if you were raised in the church and now the world is falling apart, it's like, yeah, why wouldn't you be praying for some sort of Inter- divine intervention like you're gonna go back to something of course you would so I found that very slay I like that feels human feels very human it feels realistic and it didn't feel preachy right and I think it could potentially have felt preachy if the main character was like I reject christianity and da 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 da. it would have been like okay (laughs) like i'm not even a christian and i would have been like all right like so i i actually really i think that was really smart of this author sick bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s What are we reading next week? Next week, we're going to be talking about swimming. Swimming. <laughs> you know, swimming. Swimming. Just swimming. Just keep swimming. It's not swimming. Um, With a double. Because it's swimming history month. I feel like we're always celebrating Women's History Month because we both read books by boys this week, though. Yeah. That never happens. Men. Done with that. Next week, we're both reading books by girls. What are you reading? I'm reading a book that was sent to me by Feminist Press. Love you guys. Um, It's called I Had a Miscarriage, a Memoir, a Movement by Jessica Zucker. I'm excited to hear about this because I've been seeing this book for a long time on their web, on their like Instagram. And so I'm glad that one of us is finally reading it. It's going to be fun. I'm still kind of trying to decide what I want. So I have two options and they're giving the same vibe, but different. Um, Mm -hmm. Same, same, but different. One of them is called Hester by Lori Lico Albanese. Um, And it is a retelling of Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter. 
So that could be fun for women. Mm-hmm. The other one is called When We Lost Our Heads by Heather O'Neill, which is something I've been wanting to read for a really long time. And that one is about, is a retelling of Marie Antoinette. So they're giving the same tea as being like a retelling of a feminist icon, low key. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I, I don't know which one I'll pick. So I guess it'll be a little surprise for everybody next week. Including myself. Let's think. I mean, I love Marie Antoinette. But I guess Hester is more of a feminist icon than Marie. Why? That's a good question, Marissa. Me saying that was sort of anti-feminist. <laughs> Marie was just trying to live her best fucking life given the circumstances. Why she was just trying to get that money. Why is Hester better because she was, you know, with the A on her shirt? They were both serving cunt, and that's all that matters. That's the truth. It's going to be... I'll defend my choice next week whenever I pick which one I'm doing. I can't wait. And we'll see you guys there. We'll see ya. Bye. Bye.